Welcome to Diabetes Discussions, a podcast from Diabetes UK. Each episode, we'll be talking to you about the realities of diabetes, sometimes known as the hidden condition. Millions of us live with it, millions more misunderstand it. We know diabetes can affect everyone differently. It can play a small part in your life or completely consume it. We'll be sharing personal experiences from those impacted every single day, but who don't let it hold them back. I'm Jack Woodfield from Diabetes UK, and I'll be guiding us through the conversation and sharing my own stories of living with diabetes. Today, as the festive season is now upon us, we'll be talking about Christmas. I love Christmas, so living with diabetes is not going to stop me having a fabulous Christmas. And that's certainly a plan for this Christmas, is to make sure that Frankie never misses out on the things that he wants. But equally, we plan it right. Christmas is a time to enjoy yourself, whether that means watching the King's Speech together as a family on Christmas Day or going down to the pub and stumbling back home at closing time. We all do Christmas differently. Some of you may be cooking the Christmas dinner, some of you might be raiding cupboards for double-day batteries to get a child's toy to work, and some of you, myself included, might be totally lazy and only leave the sofa for the occasional toilet break. And when it comes to the festive period, and especially Christmas Day, this is a time not to be too hard on yourself when it comes to diabetes. Joining me on this seasonal episode to discuss diabetes at Christmas are Jay James and Catherine Brannigan. Jay is the lead singer of vocal harmony group The Overtones. His son, Franklin, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2022, age 3. And Catherine works in finance and lives in Whitby Bay in Tyne and Weir. She was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in April 2022. Jay, Catherine, hello and a huge welcome to you both. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, hi, Jack. How are you doing, Jack? Thank you so much for having us, mate. Really appreciate it. It is my pleasure to have you here. Um, so before we begin, I'd be remiss not to mention, Jay, that you and your band, The Overtones, are currently in the midst of a 27-day sellout tour where you're raising money for us and the charity JDRF. And in our episode notes, you'll be able to find a link to The Overtones' Christmas single, Christmas Every Day. So a huge thank you for this and all that you're doing to raise diabetes awareness over Christmas. It's my absolute pleasure, Jack. You know, we've experienced firsthand how amazing your support is, your organisation, your wonderful organisation. And, you know, for us to try and raise as much awareness as we possibly can for the community and equally try and raise as much funds as we possibly can. Fantastic. Well, it's hugely, hugely appreciated. And I'll stay with you, Jay. So could you talk us through your family's diabetes journey and the story of Franklin's diagnosis? I suppose it's quite peculiar in many ways what happens, specifically what came before Franklin's diagnosis. And um, I actually represent a guy called Tom Ball, who's a singer, songwriter. He was on Britain's Got Talent. He was type 1 diabetic. And so I was kind of introduced to type 1 diabetes through Tom. And I actually reached out to Diabetes UK for Tom to work and become an ambassador and What was quite a weird stroke of fate was the fact that I set up a a meeting to come and meet you guys at the office on the 24th of August. And it was, in fact, on the 22nd of August, two days before that, uh, that out of nowhere, my son, Franklin, was blue lighted to hospital and then diagnosed with type one. So it's a, a real strange thing that happened really and how it came into our world. But in fact, Franklin's diagnosis, he was three at the time. It was August 
Uh, it was very hot. Um, of course, Franklin, as a three-year-old, we were encouraging him constantly to drink lots of water. And even though he had been uh, toilet trained and, and, and was kind of dry through the nights, looking back after diagnosis, we realised that he had wet the bed a few times and showed signs and symptoms of the four Ts. Uh, but even not really knowing about that, it was by fortune, I suppose, that Franklin, we actually took him down to A&E because of concern that Franklin may have drunk some Calpol. He had had a temperature the night before, and so Victoria, uh, my wife, had given him some Calpol. And the next morning, you know, up the majority of the night with Frankie, had left the bottle just on the side and done up. She had gone to the toilet in the morning, come back, and Franklin had managed to open the bottle, would you believe? And not knowing, and he had just put it up to his lips, so she wasn't sure if he had managed to drink any or not or, or whatever. So to play it safe, we called 111, uh, we took him down to A&E and they assured us that obviously it was all going to be okay and there were things that they could do. Equally, they said that they could do a blood test to check that if there was any a paracetamol that had gone into the bloodstream and, you know, but they said that we don't feel that that's needed. It's just if you want peace of mind, we could do that. And then it was in that moment where the mood changed quite dramatically. They did the blood test and then they took us into a room to do the test and it was all quite lighthearted. And, yeah, within a matter of minutes, really, they came back in. Uh, they did another test and then very quickly came in and explained that we needed to get Franklin into an ambulance and straight down because his blood sugar levels were dangerously high and so within the the course of that next night and the next day Franklin was then diagnosed with type 1 we had no connection to type 1 no one within our family again my very limited knowledge of type 1 was through Tom and of which I still didn't really know much at all uh, and so yeah we then went about what was a week of what felt like a university degree in trying to teach us how to take care of our boy. And that was incredibly challenging, learning about how we need to essentially give around 10, 11 injections a day to give Franklin insulin because his body could no longer create it was something I think that was so, so difficult. And I, I, I really am so thankful to have had the support from Tom, but equally, you know, the team at Diabetes UK that provided so much support for us as a family. And again, being given all of the information, we genuinely felt that we'd be leaving the hospital without any other support. And in fact, it was Diabetes UK that was one of the organisations that made that incredibly clear that we weren't going to be on our own and we, we didn't have to face it alone. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a tremendously difficult year. There's moments and waves of grief that still happen, but slowly but surely we're discovering our new life in managing and helping Franklin manage what is uh, going to be something which um, which he's going to have and have to manage for the rest of his life with fingers crossed that hopefully one day we can make a change to that. That's a very 
hectic period for sure. And I don't think anything can quite prepare you for um, the diagnosis, whether it affects yourself or someone that you love. And Catherine, your diagnosis story was also quite recent in 2022. So could you tell us about yourself and how you've learned to live with type 2 diabetes? Yeah, sure. April 2022, I went to the doctors with a completely unrelated request and I had a blood test taken. And because I had said to the doctor that I had pins and needles every day in my hands, she threw in the HbA1c test for good measure, but didn't tell me. And then I got a phone call from the doctors and was told that I was type 2 diabetic. I was overwhelmed, shocked. It was the last thing that I was expecting to hear. But I took it upon myself to do a lot of research myself. Um, I went on the diabetes.org.uk website there's such a mountain of information and it's all written really clearly and without jargon and it's easy to understand from flu in the winter and how that affects diabetes to, you know, good things to eat, snack things to eat, um, an explanation of type 1 and type 2 and what the difference is between the two. So I did a lot of research myself and um, I read a book by a professor from Newcastle University um, living with diabetes. I read that book cover to cover and found a lecture of his online as well and listened to that. And then I made myself the most boring person in the world, telling all my friends about it in my simple terms so that they would understand in their simple terms. And really the reaction that I got from everybody is, I wouldn't have known that. I would never have known that. And I was exactly the same. I would never have known that. So it was quite an eye opener for me to see the reactions of family and friends and sort of in my own tiny way, raising awareness amongst my circle of friends, uh, you know, the groups of people that I interact with both at work and outside of work. So it was a whole new lifestyle change for me. I started out at 16 stone two with the um, COVID lockdown stone in weight included in that as well. And I just went on a complete whole new way of eating, more exercise, and I've lost three stone in weight in about 12, 14 months. And for me, for type 2 diabetes, the weight loss has been a factor in keeping me off any medication. So at the moment, I'm managing by diet and lifestyle changes. Congratulations on all your hard work. Thank you. That sounds brilliant. And I'm really glad that you found uh, mountains of information on the Diabetes UK website. And we do have mountains. And I think it represents all the challenges that people face. And I do want to talk about some of the challenges that people living with diabetes and affected by diabetes face at Christmas. So I think it's fair to say that some challenges do exist, but also that there shouldn't be any need to miss out. So I've been carb counting for years for my type 1. And I eat and drink generally what I want within moderation, although that's the aim. But I've noticed in the past few years, I've been having a few more hypos, especially on Christmas Day and kind of festive gatherings, which is always follows a combination of having a, a huge meal at lunchtime, another huge meal an hour after, and then, you know, and then just all those injections building up. So my aim this year is to eat and drink at more specific times of the day and to reduce the amount of injections that I take. But of course, everyone will have their own way of managing diabetes at Christmas. And so you both had your first diabetes journeys with Christmas, you know, last year. So Catherine, how did you find it? To be honest, I was a little bit nervous and a little bit apprehensive at first because eating and drinking with family and friends is such a massive part of the day. 
And it all seems to be centered around the bowls of chocolates and the drinks and the huge meal. It's probably around 4,000 calories, etc. And I was really conscious that I was still on a weight loss plan for myself. So I definitely made some changes. My mum always does like a seafood starter. And I thought, no, that's good. There's protein in there. That's quite good. Low calorie starters. That's good for me. Turkey's white meat, which is, in my opinion, better for me. Although I had a smaller portion, still had all the vegetables because vegetables seems to be your friend in every occasion. I gave a miss to the starchy roast potatoes and uh, I had a little bit less of the cranberry sauce. But for all intents and purposes, my dinner plate just looked like everybody else's. I cut out the sweet desserts and I had myself some cheese and grapes and a few crackers instead. So I still had something in front of me. I really would have liked a great big massive slice of iced top Madeira cake, but the willpower held out and I stuck with the cheese and grapes as well. So it was still a good day and I think I'll probably do the same this year. That is very impressive willpower. And Jay, what is Christmas like in your house and how did you approach Christmas last year with Franklin? Yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I'm sure like many will relate to is you're so overwhelmed with the elements of carb counting, but also the different effects that different foods have on Franklin's blood sugars uh, and what that's going to do, whether that takes him high or takes him low, and then equally the effects of that on him, but then equally for you as a parent being up all night correcting and and sorting things. It's life's hard enough just trying to manage those blood sugars without the effects of food. Uh, So many people don't know that you know his blood sugars or your blood sugars are affected by the likes of weather the time of day your moods your hormones all these different things so so just throw in carb counting and all that sort of stuff is was a real lesson for us and and equally i'd say it's an ongoing journey and so it's amazing when you're within the, the diabetes community that you kind of go, gosh, all of our celebratory days are related to food and they involve food, whether that be Halloween's, Christmases, Easter's. And then you just have this sudden fear about how you're going to manage that and how you're going to manage that for, well, for our little superhero. So I, I would say it was really testing. It was a testing time. I think the fact that we had to get through Halloween ahead of that was probably good preparation into stretching us and knowing what we had to do um but i'd say that you know with the treats or 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 the things like chocolate as we are now through the you know it's our second year in christmas i think we're becoming a lot more relaxed about what franklin can eat and as long as we've got managing his levels and you know carb counting the best way that we can they always say that you know, within uh, type 1 specifically, it's kind of like if you're going to have certain foods or treats, try and attach them to main meals so you can you know, obviously give the recommended amount of insulin. I think that's definitely been something that we try and stick to, um, not snacking or not just giving treats, you know, uh, and I say treats, I don't think that's an associated word that we try and use, but try and give things around meal times, And that's certainly a plan for this Christmas is to make sure that Frankie never misses out on the things that he wants, but equally we plan it right. I think that sounds like a very good plan. And I know from my parents when I was younger, they had a plan for kind of each year to make sure that I wasn't feeling like I was missing out. And it's a very tricky balance, isn't it? Because you don't want to draw too much attention to it. But you also don't yeah. want it to become not a big deal as well. It's a very big balancing act. So it's, 
it's changing the usual things that you do. I, I mean, I, I remember last year specifically when we when we loaded up the kids' stockings. You know, and usually what we're loading those stockings with, in all honesty, would be absolute rubbish. You know, with sweets, treats, chocolates, this, this, and this. And the sort of mindset change within that was kind of like more based around maybe like you know puzzles or a book, a couple of treats, of course, a couple of sweets, but you know more based around fruits. So we try the best that we possibly can to disconnect, you know, these associations with just junk food or sweets and sugar to being more about things, activities that we do. And I think that's definitely again something we'll we'll move into this Christmas. Yeah, it sounds like you've really thought it out and you know what you're doing, which after a year is is very impressive. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Jack. We're trying. <laughs> yeah, it's all you can do. It's all you can do. So we talked a bit about food kind of in the home setting, but I do want to talk a bit outside the home setting as well. So I'm a hilariously bad cook. And in fact, I once blew up at oven, which is a story for a different day. But I don't really prep any food substitutes to take out with me. But I do want to draw attention to some brilliant recipe ideas that we do have on our website for healthier Christmas treats. And we also have advice on eating out and having drinks during the Christmas holidays, which is what I wanted to ask you about, because this can be harder for me, I find, especially at parties or Christmas or New Year's parties with family and friends, and sometimes at restaurants as well, if I'm unsure what I'm going to be eating and drinking and how this could impact my insulin requirements. So Catherine, have you found that that was an issue for you last year when you were out and about and you perhaps didn't know what you were going to be eating and drinking on the night? Yes, Jack, definitely. I mean, December is also my birthday month. So apart from the Christmas celebrations, I have a birthday celebration. And then there are all the work celebrations and celebrations with friends. So my friends are used to me now, a year and a half or so on. Quite often before we go anywhere, we'll look at a menu online and the battle cry from them is always, is there anything you can eat on the menu, Catherine? They've become aware of that now. And I'll say, yes, even if I have to ask the chef to mix and match something, then I will. I try to stick to white meats, chicken and turkey and things wherever I go. And veg is always great. It's not always what I would prefer to have from the menu, but I've always got in the back of my mind what I'm, in inverted commas, allowed to have, what I should have. When it comes to ordering dessert, I just don't. But I'll always order a pot of tea so that I've got something nice in front of me whilst maybe other people are having a dessert. So it's not like I'm sitting at a table with nothing there. I'll order myself a pot of tea. I've tried to cut out alcohol altogether, just keeping it for special occasions, Christmas and birthdays being one of them. And it's become common knowledge amongst my friends that I am now just a champagne drinker. So I had a little bit of a research and uh, champagne itself seems to be the lowest in calories and the lowest in sugar. I hope nobody's going to correct me on that because that's what's in my mind. I used to be the big Aftismamanti sweet drinker. That used to be my favourite. That's totally gone now. And I've gone right to the other end of the spectrum into something very dry, which I've got to admit now I'm used to the taste. I'm used to the taste of it. I was out with some girlfriends in, in the summer and uh, we're in a little gift shop in a tiny little town in the northeast and um, there was a postcard with a quote on it from Betty Davis and it said there comes a time in every woman's life when the only thing that helps is a glass of champagne so they bought that for me and they framed it and I keep that in the kitchen just near the fridge so if I'm going to have something and I'm not talking you know massively expensive champagne you can get something that's quite reasonable and maybe only a little bit more expensive than a bottle of Prosecco so That's what I do for alcohol. And then 
for the non-alcoholic drinks, there's a lovely little farm in a place called Morpeth, not far from where I am here up in the northeast, and they make um, flavoured fizzy sparkling water. So I've gone for that instead of the usual diet drinks, no calories, and it has a fab taste. So for me, it's all about the appearance. Once that's in a lovely glass with some nice ice cubes and you stand and nobody thinks that you haven't got an alcoholic drink and nobody comments on it. And my friends are all used to that now. And um, uh, I've become the designated driver wherever we go. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm always the person who's usually not drinking, so a bit of a win-win for everybody, I think. Oh, you don't want to be the designated driver at Christmas, do you? That's, that's the worst time to be. Um, but I mean, congratulations. I mean, I'm, I'm going to start calling you Champagne Catherine. I think that's 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 well, how yes, I'm going to start remembering That's a good you name. Now. That's a good name. <laughs> that's, that's a very impressive willpower. And, and Jay, what about you? So last year, when you were out and about, and as as a family man, I have two kids. I know that you were out and about constantly doing things with the kids at Christmas time. Were there any occasions last year where you found it was quite tricky with food and drink when it came to managing Franklin's blood sugars. Yeah, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm being brutally honest because I think that's always the way and, and people will hopefully find relatability in, in these stories. But I think we, we sort of dreaded it, to be honest with you initially, about going out at Christmas time. And we were obviously surrounded by family and it was very new to our family and our close friends about what type one is and so you know I relate to what Catherine said it almost you find yourself over explaining and then actually you end up draining yourself you know about what it is to just describe what Franklin's going through and what we have to do on a minute by minute basis but then equally you know speaking to looking at the menus you know that have got absolutely no carb you know as well as they've got nutritional values they've got no carbs in there so you're looking at, you know, carbs and cows or you're looking to, to apps and websites to try and find if you can plan ahead and figure out what Franklin's going to eat and then equally make sure that you've got portable weighing scales so you can be as, as prepared as you possibly can be to administer yeah, the insulin in advance. For Franklin, yeah, we, it was 15 minutes beforehand before eating food, which in itself has got its own challenges when you've got a whole table of other people and bringing food out and then you've got that uh, situation where everybody's eating but then you know you're trying to time it so Franklin's not left out or being on his own it really is quite an emotional challenge to make sure that Frankie's never on his own in anything or it feels unnormal and I think you know with type 1 diabetes anything that highlights the challenge or the fact that it's slightly different your management of things is slightly different it's quite an upsetting moment um, and especially around a time where it's supposed to be about joy and supposed to be about celebrating everything I think you can become quite sensitive to the occasions and eating out so we definitely try to avoid it if I'm being really honest but again what I would say is and this is having experienced that and then equally other things throughout the course of the last year is I think we're a lot more prepared and easygoing you know it's not about what Franklin eats it's about us being prepared for those moments and making sure that we've got the portable scales his food is coming out first or we've equally done the calculations beforehand so he's not eating on his own and, and I know that sounds really weird to some who might be listening to this from different audiences but it's like it really is a time planning management situation to try and make 
make sure that things happen at the right time. And we feel a lot more confident in doing that now. So actually, as we approach Christmas this year, we will be going out with a new confidence that things don't need to be different. And the people that we know and love around us are kind of a lot more aware and educated about what Franklin faces every day and what we've got to do in order to manage it. So yeah, it's definitely an evolving journey that we've got. But I would advise anyone to just get out and experience the things that make you feel uncomfortable initially. Because second time you do them and third time you do them, they will feel less uncomfortable and eventually they'll feel like normal. And I think what this is about is creating your new new normal. It's really sage wisdom. And I think both of you, just from what you've spoken about with your journeys, it just sounds like you've come such a long way both of you in what is it just over a year for both of you I mean I've had type 1 diabetes for 30 years and I have no idea what I'm doing most days because like you say Jay so many things can affect it and when it comes to Christmas I am like a child I still get very excited for Christmas and that can have an impact as well there's all sorts of things you need to consider and I think you've both spoken about this I think it's really interesting kind of managing other people's reactions to diabetes as well because you can never really preempt how somebody's going to react when you tell them about a diagnosis or you explain something to them and so I remember my first Christmas at my now wife's house you know I was explaining to her parents and her family that I have to be careful when I eat. I can eat what I want, but I have to be careful. And I just felt like such a buzzkill. I just felt like I was bringing the mood down and nobody really cared. Nobody even cared in a way, but it, it wasn't a big deal to anybody. They just kind of cracked on and said, oh, okay, that's it. And I think it is, as you both said, Kevin, you, you have support from your family and friends and Jay, you at that point now where you're explaining it. And I think it makes such a big difference when you know that people are kind of on your side and on board. So the next question I'm going to ask you both is much more general. It is, what are you doing for Christmas this year? And what are you looking forward to about Christmas this year? Catherine, if you want to take this one. Oh, well, for the first time in I don't know how many years, Christmas is going to be at my house. It's usually at my mum's. Like yourself, Jack, I am a rubbish cook. Rubbish. But my mum is going to cook the turkey and uh, all the special things and bring them down to my house. We live very close to each other. I will be doing the vegetables. I think I can just about manage that. There are going to be eight or nine of us for Christmas. Champagne's in the fridge already, but everything is out for everybody else. Because what I've said to friends and family is, although I'm telling you about myself and about things that I have to do and changes that I've had to make, I don't want anybody else to have to make changes because of me. So I don't want somebody sitting thinking, I can't have that slice of Christmas cake in front of Catherine because she really wants that cake and I don't want to make her feel bad about it. I don't want anybody to feel like that. I want everybody to continue the way they've always continued. I'll be the one that makes the changes and hopefully with the way I'll set the table and the way I'll serve the food and the way I'll serve the drinks, Nobody will look at me and think, oh, she's not having the same as everybody else. It will, for all intents and purposes, look that I'm having the same as everybody else. So I think it will be a good Christmas. Fantastic. I'm quite envious of all your guests having all the champagne-soaked vegetables (laughs) around the table this year. (laughs) And Jay, what about you? What are your family doing this Christmas? Yeah, so, you know, as you know, we've we've been out. We're currently out. We're on the home stretch now to the end of our tour. And so I've been away quite a bit. In all honesty, I think I get back on Christmas Eve and we, I'm just really looking forward to spending time with the kids and Vicky, you know, getting some much needed family time in. And I know, unfortunately, we're not with the wider family this year, but we will have Jeff, who's Vicky's dad with us, who's just an amazing support system for us at home with everything. But again, I think I remember last year being with family and again, you know, with maybe not knowing about too much about Franklin's type one and what it is 
I remember feeling so like on edge about everything that was going on, you know, and, and then preparing the food and setting out a buffet and then Franklin maybe going up and helping himself or, you know, it was really, really quite stressful. But again, just to reiterate, anyone who's, who's feeling anxious about it, just I think like you said, Jack, in times like this at some at some point it's just a case of just managing things the best that you possibly can and and never letting yourself miss out on something that everybody else is doing absolutely and again i i said this in i think in the intro but i think it's really important not to be too hard on yourselves during christmas as well because these are fun times of the year and diabetes does throw challenges but there are all sorts of ways that you know families can have fun without diabetes having to be an issue. It is an extra complication, which is a, a real shame for everybody involved. But I think that's really, really great advice. And uh, Catherine, what about for you in terms of, do you have any advice that you would offer to anybody that perhaps was diagnosed with type 2 this year that's perhaps like you might have been last year, just facing Christmas with a little bit of nerves as to what they feel that they want to do but might not be able to do? Is there anything that you would advise to them? I think it's easy for me to say with hindsight don't worry, don't be overwhelmed by it, don't feel down about it, because nobody could stop those feelings in the beginning when you first get a diagnosis, I think of any illness. But what I would say is there are so many ways that you can still enjoy the festive season and still have maybe not all of the things, but some of the things that you do like. For type 2 diabetes, I was told by a nutritionist that if you take, say, 30 days in a block and you have one or two days where I'm not saying slip off the rails or don't do what you normally do at all, but, you know, you might have that little sliver of cake that you wouldn't normally have. As long as you can think that, you know, the carbs to sugar and the sugar is not going to be some outrageous number of grams you can still have a little treat. So I I would say overwhelmed in the beginning, I would say that feeling does pass. I'm going to say for me personally, with knowledge and the knowledge that came from reading and looking on the diabetes.org website, etc. And those initial, oh, my life has changed. What am I going to do? For me, those thoughts subsided. And I thought, no, I can live with this. I'm just going to have to change some of the things that I do to make my health the priority, but not lose sight of the fact that I have to live each day and have a little bit of fun now and again. And uh, Christmas is the fun festive period. So I would say don't be overwhelmed. Don't let it worry you. Just keep in the back of your mind that there are certain little tweaks and changes that you can make, but it doesn't have to be everything. And Christmas is fun. I love Christmas. So living with diabetes is not going to stop me having a fabulous Christmas. Fantastic. And you mentioned the knowledge and there is a lot of knowledge that you have to absorb following a diabetes diagnosis. And so before I ask you both my last question, I too just want to pass on a couple of Christmas tips because as someone with type 1 diabetes, I can attest firstly to how valuable it is to make sure that you're stocked up on all your medications while your GP or pharmacy is shut over the holidays. So make a note on your your, your plan of or your, your schedule when your GP and pharmacy will shut, order them in advance and it's one less worry that you don't have over the Christmas break. And if you do drink alcohol over the festive period, it's important to know that some alcoholic drinks can raise your blood sugar. And if you live with type 1 diabetes or you take medication to lower your blood glucose, it is important to know that some signs of a hypo or low blood sugar can be mistaken for signs of being drunk. So 
Um, Jay, Catherine, for this next question, I want you both to be totally, brutally, completely selfish, as if you were young children writing to Santa. And you can answer this however realistically or unrealistically you want to. What is the one thing that you want Santa to get you this Christmas? Catherine, if you want to go first. Okay, well, apart from world peace, I would like Santa to turn the clock back for me because if I had known when my HbA1c was in the pre-diabetic range, I would have made the changes that I've currently made now and I would have pulled myself back from being a type 2 diabetic. That can't happen now because I was already over the pre-diabetic range when I was diagnosed. I've now got an HbA1c of 39, so I am currently in remission. And I know I'm going to have to continually work at that and my new lifestyle to stay at that. So I would like to be able to stay in remission. But feeling time travel and all that, I love a bit of Christmas sparkle, so Santa can just bring me diamonds. (laughs) (laughs) I love that answer. Um, And entering remission is no mean feat. So huge congratulations on that. Thank you. And Jay... What would be the one thing that you would want this Christmas? I've definitely had a bit of a wobble over the last couple of days, quite overwhelmed with with lots of different things. And I found myself um, awake the majority of the night last night thinking about everything. And I actually wrote a little poem. It's about that very thing. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear it. So uh, I've labelled it a type of Christmas is the name. And it goes like this. My type of Christmas won't be like most Instead of enjoying a classic crimbo roast, my thoughts will wander from Christmas cheer to reflections about his difficult year. Although it's been easier than the year before, that was when type 1 diabetes came and ripped down our door. It blew off the roof, cleared out the walls and the floor, and we had to rebuild a new life for our little superhero, now only four. With more highs and lows than we could have ever foreseen, The feelings of hurt and grief still feel as hard as can be. And although I'm proud of his strength to endure, it's madness to think I never knew of type 1 before. The fact it's not visible to millions and more who are unaware or mistake this savage, relentless condition with its lifelong ambition to test and challenge his every move and mission. They say he's brave as can be, but have you ever heard a three-year-old ask, why me? I wish I could help him take it away and more. I'd give all of my Christmases to find us a cure. So his type of Christmas could be the best it could be, just like the ones before he was three. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) So, yeah, I I found myself writing that about half past three in the morning. (laughs) So my wish is is probably for the obvious, and that would be uh, that we could find some kind of cure or way around it, which I know Diabetes UK are working really, really hard for. And that's something I know that we all appreciate as a community. Yeah, we are. That was beautiful. I didn't actually plan to read that, but when you asked it, I thought that might be um, a nice thing to share, or at least a relatable thing to share. No, it will be. Yeah, for sure. It's quite sad in many ways. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was more thinking like a BMW X5 kind of thing, Jay, to be honest. (laughs) I mean. Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) Jay, Catherine, it's been absolutely lovely having you both on Diabetes Discussion. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. And on behalf of everyone at Diabetes UK, we wish you both a warm and wonderful Christmas. 
Thank you very much, Jack. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas to you too. Yeah, thanks so much, Jack. And big love to you and all of the Diabetes UK team that are just doing so much for our wider community and and have a, a fantastic Christmas. That's all for this episode of Diabetes Discussions. Thank you so much for listening. And to find out more about living with diabetes at Christmas, you can visit the Diabetes UK website or check out the information and links in the episode notes. And if you like what you've heard, please rate and review to help others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you.